Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. In, coming to you in a week in which some of our worst fears might have been realized. We have been complaining all summer that there's been nothing in the cinema. And now we are seeing the possible... The possible outcome of that, which Cineworld saying they might be going to administration. Uh, starting off on a bomb note, my name is Tosin and I, <laughs> I am your host, um, based up in the UK, in the UK, in Birmingham somewhere this week. And joining me tonight is just the one, but always here, always here, from the Isle of Wight, is Sharon Bolan. How are you doing, Sharon? Hello. All right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. that's a bit of a blow, isn't it? <laughs> Especially on the island, because we've got one independent cinema that has three very small screens. Yeah. Uh, left on the island um, but if the cine world closes then uh, that we're back to the, the indies I mean I like going to supporting independent cinemas but you get used to the comfy seats don't you really quite frankly well yeah and also for you it's going to be a much longer drive it's going to be like a yeah. half hour drive to get to the cinema each week or something yeah instead of a five minute walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that's why you got the house well okay no, not quite I mean your house <laughs> I have well, to that's the kind of I would do. That's the kind of thing I would do. But, but um, but with this, I mean, obviously, this whole summer we have been lamenting, and this is another week in which we have been lamenting, going, "Hang on, there is nothing in the cinema. There's nothing in the cinema." And I, I don't think I remember a such a lackluster blockbuster season as this. Not that the films have been bad, but that there just haven't been any films. No, and I think they did say something like Top Gun Maverick is has shot up there in sort of one of the like the top ten best selling, profit making films of the last sort of decade or however long. Um, yeah. So there have been some like money makers, but if just one money maker out of from, for, in three years yeah, is because... not going to recoup people's sort of losses. Well, okay, if I think about it this summer, we've had Top Gun Maverick, we've had two Marvel movies, so we've had Doctor Strange, and we've had yeah. Thor Love and Thunder, neither of which I think were massive hits. I mean, the last no. massive Marvel hit we had was Spider-Man No Way Home, which was Christmas last year. Yes. And we, I guess you had Jurassic World, but no. And... It's I, been and Elvis has been rumbling away there. Yeah, Elvis has been rumbling hasn't away. Been kicking box office yeah. records, doesn't it, yeah, yeah, but but the thing is, Elvis is not a film that I would ever have expected. Elvis is not a film I would ever have expected to be a box office smash. Elvis is the kind of film that you would you would thought you put it out there and you see who many people go. And I'm actually I'm surprised and pleased that it's still in cinemas because I think um well I'm surprised and pleased that Elvis is still in cinemas because it shows that it's having lengths and I think there's probably quite a bit of word of mouth going on about Elvis, mm. but. And I don't know whether it's just like you know the the nostalgia glasses I have on of going. Well, I remember. Wasn't there a time where the summer was like a new blockbuster was being released every yeah. week, or like you know you had like a big thing and it was oh come see this action movie, oh come see this comedy, oh come see this effects laden extravaganza. <laughs> but but it's but this summer there doesn't seem to have been that many things. And Cineworld, even though they haven't gone into administration yet, they have. But they have said that. They might. They've officially said that they might, and they're thinking about it. It's one of the options on the table because they have five billion dollars worth of debt, and they said that the problem is that the studios haven't been releasing the films for people to watch in cinemas. And sure enough, there has been some stuff that has been released and has been released exclusively on streaming platform of studios' choice. <laughs> and 
Yeah, uh, and so it, it does seem like all the stuff that we thought was just sort of like anecdotal of going, oh, where's all the film in the cinema? It looks like it's actually beginning to have real world consequences. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, affecting cinema as we know it. But hey, although it does make me wonder. It does make me wonder. Remember, remember when we during COVID and during lockdown, we were doing our lockdown shows. And I was talking about the fact that out of this, you could end up with Disney having even more of a monopoly than they do because they could just buy a cinema chain and they could just sort of like show all the films and you could have Disney Plus, but in real life because they have like (laughs) Disney Plus cinemas. And it makes me wonder why that hasn't happened. And I'm thinking there must be some sort of union rule or something or anti-competition law that says that that's not allowed to happen because I would think that somebody would have done that. It, it, It kind of makes sense to me. It's like instead of giving half your money to the cinema chain, just have it all to yourself. <laughs> we may but, see the rise of the indies. You know, they may start sort of popping up again because I think the chains have dominated the cinema landscape for so long now that yep. they did force all the small independent cinemas out. And now that, as we've seen with some of the high streets, when the big, big behemoths go, you leave huge gaps on the high street, but then slowly we're beginning to see smaller independent shops creeping back in. Yeah. Um, so it may happen with... Maybe, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see, or or more tumbleweed down the high street. <laughs> no, more more tumbleweed down the high street. Or I still think that there might be a studio that'll just go and buy yeah. a cinema chain and say we're just going to release our films here. And therefore, but the problem is that there's going to be a lot of overheads, and it's cheaper for them to. I'll, I'll, I'm essentially I'm coming fresh onto this recording from this discussion with my wife, and she was sort of saying, "Well, it's probably cheaper for them to just release stuff on the streaming platform." I'm like, "Yeah, but." But you don't want to see Avengers Endgame on a streaming platform. No. You want to see that on a massive screen. I mean, even Jurassic World, I mean, as much as I thought it was meh of a film, you still don't want to be the first place you see dinosaurs to be on your screen, on your TV at home. You want to see dinosaurs running across the big screen. Like we remember the first time we saw Jurassic Park, really. Yeah. You want that going, that wow moment where yeah. dinosaurs are brought to life. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you need so, those wow moments. Yeah, uh, sorry. I'm, 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 I mean, the Center World News is, is going to be in a bit of a melancholic mood. <laughs> it's going to gonna be a bit of a melancholic existential mood going on. Oh, to... Vinyl was dead, didn't they? They said vinyl was dead 20 years ago. And now vinyl is selling more than CDs yes. in some places. So I think there's always going to be a place for people who say, no. You may tell me it's dead, but I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> yes, okay, but and using the vinyl, be a home for cinema. Yeah, using the vinyl thing, but then yeah, vinyl, cinema might might succeed like that, but then cinema will get more expensive, and, yes, and cinema will become a collector's thing, and it will become like a niche thing, and 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 I don't want that because they only I, show Stanley Kubrick, yeah, the uncut versions of Stanley Kubrick, in which case it's like maybe a bit too niche. But yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, but my argument. <laughs> but but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what um what life gives us. We'll see uh, as things go forward. We'll see if Cineworld does. Because I mean, and the truth is that you could just have like view. You could have view and Odeon in the background, just waiting and hovering, <laughs> waiting for Cineworld to collapse, and then they just go and go and then I you know collect all the stuff, like move into the venues and buy all their stuff. But anyway, anyway. Um. Uh. 
So anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. So having spoken about the lack of films in cinema and having a couple of weeks where we haven't really had anything to talk about in cinema, we've just this has just become a Netflix show or Netflix and streaming friends show as opposed to a Netflix or cinema show. Um, we have another week in which <laughs> we've looked at what's happened. We've looked at what is being released this week, what's being released next week and realized that we have slim picking. So this week and next week, we have a grand total of four films that we're going to talk about. So we have decided to push Fisherman Friends, Fisherman's Friends One and All. And what was the other film you saw in the cinema this week? Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We decided to push this to next week. Both films that, once again, are not showing in my local cinema. So, well done, Isle of Wight. You have more culture than they do up here in the Midlands. But it's... um. So yeah, we're going to push those to next week where we will probably review them along with Beast and maybe something called The Invitation that I, I've seen the title. I don't even know what that's about. No. Um, but so um, because there's only the two of us here this week, we're going to carry on with what we've seen at home. So we're going to kick off first with you, Sharon. And you have seen something that I, it's, I think it's a documentary. A documentary. One of those things. One of those things that Netflix keeps bringing up going, hey, you want to see this? Hey, you want to see this? Hey, you want to see this? And you're like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> But you actually listened and went, yeah, maybe, maybe I will see this. Okay. Well, this is Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. So, Sharon, tell us about this. Well, to Trainwreck, Woodstock 99 is a three-part documentary series. And as it was a three-day festival, each part basically takes a day in mm-hmm. the life of this festival. And the, it was, Woodstock 99 was basically, was supposed to be um, a grand return to like the summer of love. It was 30 years after the original Woodstock festival, the original people who devised the original Woodstock festival um, coming together to bring a modern vibe to this sort of peace and love with music vibe thing. And they thought, yeah, we'll do it in the summer of 99. We're going to create a new Woodstock. We're going to make it bigger, better, louder. Yeah. Then basically more or less from the day, the get go, things started to go wrong because <laughs> um, as with the Isle of Wight Festival of the 1960s the one that everyone talks about on the Isle of Wight that had like 100,000 people camping out across the downs um, they didn't make any money <laughs> because the people turned up with no tickets they pulled all the fencing down and then they just streamed in and this <laughs> is what happened in the original Woodstock that people ended up just the majority of the people there had no tickets. So they yeah. decided to build, to put the Woodstock 99 on an air, a disused army airbase. Mm-hmm. Again, changing the vibe slightly from just like this urban idyll to a former military base. Yeah. And then they um, charged a lot of money. <laughs> they, they didn't let people take anything in with them, as in no water, no food, no nothing. So they, had, they were forced to pay for everything, even water. Yeah. And it became basically from having like this um, free, easy, sort of laid-back vibe. It became a, a commercial enterprise. Yeah. And basically, from the beginning, from its inception, things started to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they had problems with the contractors. They had problems with the crowd. With the the vibe of the crowd was quite aggressive, apparently, in times even from the very beginning. Yeah, and the fact that they were charging people like four dollars for a bottle of water, as opposed to which was like fifty cents outside of the space, these things all set off an ugly tone. Yeah, and over the three days, it 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 got progressively worse until it culminated in basically a riot. Mm. Um, lots of the stands were destroyed. There was there was burning. There was looting, and there were rapes. Ra- raves or rapes? Rapes. Women oh, were assaulted. Oh, good lord! 
Yeah. Um, in this complete this this anarchy, the security were basically local college students who were told, you know, if you want to earn a hundred bucks over the weekend, come along and you can be security at Woodstock. So there was very little professional security. They ended up bringing the um, the army in at one point because it was just becoming unsafe. But then they refused to go. What that fire brigade refused to enter the site because it was unsafe. It just became a nightmare of of violence and. And everything that went wrong. So this documentary basically charts, basically, it sort of points out the warning signs that were ignored, and then it charts how they sort of descended into complete chaos. And how one one of the, the sets there was Fat Boy Slim, who had a yes. rave set, and he said his his set was basically destroyed while this van basically drove through the crowd. <laughs> it just appeared. It was been stolen and then driven into the rave. And when they actually managed, security managed to get to this van, they found an unconscious girl in the back of the van who had been assaulted, basically. Oh, she was God. unconscious, partially undressed, obviously had been the victim of sexual violence and was unconscious. And they believe she was like 14 or 15. Oh, so oh. That boy Slim was like saying, this was not what you want when you're having this. Everyone was like pumped up and having a rave. And then this horrible crime was happening literally in the middle of the rave. And oh, so this documentary Lord. charts basically how whatever could go wrong with a large festival did go wrong on this event. And it was a combination of the bands they chose. There are a lot of like hard metal acts who were playing. Yeah. So yeah. the crowd tends to be young men who got ramped young, up. Young, angry, was, uh, young, angry men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a lot of alcohol was freely available, even though it was almost, almost like something like it was cheaper than alcohol. There's a lot of drug misuse going on. They could say people could smell it. There was just a vibe that was slightly. It was not that that laid back. Let's all have a lovely yeah, time. Yeah, sort of vibe. yeah be it was... because because I remember when this happened. I remember when this happened. I remember them talking in a big way about oh my oh god this is terrible this is terrible this is terrible. But I never really paid attention to it, uh, because uh, also because I'm not a massive festival goer, so it was not something that was particularly on my radar. But I just remember people saying that it was horrific, and. The, the the vibe of this that when you see the trailers the you know the unwanted instant trailers that Netflix gives you it seems yeah. to be like did you ever watch um the fire festival documentary I didn't but I'm aware of it so I'm aware that there are similarities yeah it's, it's, yeah I, I, I wonder whether it's made for, made by the same people but 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 okay with all these things with all these things is, was it something that you would recommend watching I would say Yes and no. I mean, uh, apologies, apologies. My, my daughter's having a nappy change and she doesn't like it. She wants none of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes and uh, no, because uh, the subject matter was quite grim. Yep, yep. So it, it's quite intense. But I thought it was interesting because obviously I'm, well, I'm on the Isle of Wight, as we've, we sort of mentioned every week. And the Isle of Wight has, it's like Glastonbury, has had a a festival, you know, they, 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 they did loads in the 60s and they revived it a number of years ago. So we, we have an annual music festival that varies in size from 50,000 to 70,000 people. And it's literally sort of two miles from where I live. So I can hear it when it's on. I can hear the music playing. And, and I think people have learned lessons from Woodstock 99. So that when you go to a festival now, even though you can have large numbers of people, they work hard to make sure that the vibe is, you know, you have a good vibe. Yeah. Though yeah. I think trying to prevent drugs from getting in is almost like a, an unwinnable battle. But 
because I was uncomfortable with the, with the last time I went, because you can smell cannabis blowing in the breeze, which I don't want when I'm at a festival. <laughs> I want to listen to music, <laughs> not sort of be around, surrounded by other people's criminality. <laughs> But so it's a cautionary tale, but it was worth it. If you like festivals and you are interested in um, documentary, you know, true event documentaries, then I would say it's worth it. So I would probably give it a three. I mean, because it was interesting. I wasn't in, involved because I hadn't been to Woodstock, but it did basically mark the end of that sort of festival in America to a large extent. Whereas in this country, we've got Glastonbury, we've got I don't know, a festival Reading. There's loads of festivals. They're part of the British summer. Yeah, because I know in America they still have Coachella. They have Coachella yeah. and they have South by South. And I think, and I feel like Coachella, Coachella seems to have taken a lot of stuff from Glastonbury, but it, it also is a lot more polished, corporate yeah. than Glastonbury. I mean, Glastonbury definitely has its corporate thing. If you compared like the original Glastonbury to what it is now. Yeah. Sorry if I sound like I'm far away. My daughter is playing no, no. with <laughs> my daughter is playing with the microphone with the recording equipment. But uh, so yeah, at um, but Glastonbury still has that sort of like you know free spirit thing, and I think Coachella is a bit more kind of no, no, this is this is this is commercial, but it but it <laughs> but <laughs> but it still works. So three stars, three out of five stars for Trainwreck Woodstock 1999. Right. Okay. Cool. So a second thing this week, and this is something. Speaking about my daughter, this is something that we, I watched with my daughter because um, recently there's been a whole bunch of times when I'm trying to get her to sleep, or just trying to get her to calm down, or or get her get her bored enough to sleep. And a, a good way of doing that is to just put something on that she just sort of watches, and then eventually she just kind of like yeah. falls asleep. <laughs> she goes. And, and, and I know as with everything when it comes to chat. As with everything when it comes to child rearing, there's going to be people who are going to be like, oh, no, you can't let your child fall asleep in of a TV. I'm like, look, this is about survival, all right? So, <laughs> <laughs> if it gets her to sleep, it works. Yeah, if, if it works, if it works, then I'm going to give myself father of the year. So, <laughs> so, and because there's a whole bunch of things that, and there's one of the reasons why the, my progress of watching certain things has been slow, because you watch it and you go, oh, bad word, off. She started repeating words, not watching that. No. Watch, and they st- they start realizing just how many things have bad words in them nowadays. I think we're getting to the point where they're no longer going to be bad words. They're just going to be words. But it's, oh, but yeah, by the moment I'm like, okay, no, can't watch that, can't watch that. So I've been trying to go through and find a whole bunch of animated stuff for her to watch. So this is something that, Sharon, you are never going to watch. And I... <laughs> I know you're never gonna watch it because it's animated. It's never gonna happen. But I thought I'll I thought I'll go and give you some like you know news from the world of animation that I've been living in. And this is a Netflix original film called The Willoughby's, based on a book. If that if that piques your interest, I know I like you have. I'm below. <laughs> more interesting. Yeah, I know. I know that you have that whole thing where you're like animated, uh, based on a book. Ooh, so yeah. so it's all like. <laughs> It's based on a book, based on a kid's book. It's called The Willoughby's. And you have, and it's all about this, it's about these two people who are the Willoughby's, or Mr. and Mrs. Willoughby, who get married and they are so involved in each other and such a, oh, 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 love you, love you, love you, love you. And then a child shows up and they're like, what? How did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) And so they're like, how did this happen? And so they neglect their child, but then somehow I managed to have three other children, a, a daughter and two twin sons. 
And the the whole story is told from the point of view of the children. So the Willoughby's are these neglected children who have a mother and father who are so involved in each other and so into each other that they do not have any time for their children. They don't have any time for their kids. And the, the, this film has a very sort of Tim Burtonish vibe to it. In that, you know how Tim Burton will always have these family stories but have like an immense heart of darkness about yeah. them. <laughs> And this is no different because the kids, the, they, the kids decide that, you know what, you know what would be great? It would be great if we were orphans, because if we were orphans, then we could do whatever we wanted and we could have this and all that. And we could be real Willoughby's because they have like a whole family history of Willoughby's that their parents don't live up to. And the oldest son is like, no, we need to be adventurers and we need to be this and we need to be that. So they come up with this idea that they come up with an idea of getting the parents to go on holiday. But they gave they pl- plot a holiday that essentially the parents are not going to come back from. <laughs> they plot a holiday that the parents are not going to come back from, and the parents are like, "What? You mean?" And the 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 hook that they used to get the parents to go on this holiday is no children allowed. And the parents are like, "No children allowed! Brilliant!" <laughs> Pack everything up, leave, and go for this globe-trotting holiday where it's like the most dangerous things you can possibly do, which they are pretty much sure that the parents are going to come back from. And to give you an idea of the kind of, uh, there's a whole bunch of strands coming into this film. I think there's way too many strands coming into it. The, to give you the idea of the kind of humor that we're dealing with here, they, they, they find this kid, the, a kid gets dumped on their doorstep. And so they take the kid and they're like, oh, let's look after the kid. And they're like, no, look, our parents can't stand us. How are they going to, <laughs> how do you think are they going to do? How do you think are they going to handle another kid who just shows up? And then they go, oh, what should we call her? And because they also wants to get rid of the baby, he's like, let's call her Ruth because when we get rid of her, then we'll be ruthless. <laughs> that, that's the level that we're dealing with here. That's, that's, the kind of level, that's the kind of level we're dealing with here. So as, as, as the plan unfolds, there's a nanny that comes to the house and the nanny comes to the house to look after them while the parents are away. And then there's a whole thing about like, you know, the nanny and um, f- then where they end up giving Ruth to and then child services get involved. And, and it becomes this sort of like, adventure thing with a dark heart that goes up in all sorts of different ways and even even to the to the end of the film you're like really that, is this a kid's film <laughs> that that's kind of dark so it is it is kind of like it, even the animation style the animation style is almost is very Tim Burton it's a bit I think it's computer animated but it's made to look almost a bit like it's stop motion but okay. everybody has like you know long angled knees and like you know short torsos and big heads and it's so it, it's a very sort of specific sort of st- style of animation. And I, I thought it was all right. I thought I, I think I'll give it a three out of five. I like the fact that it's not your usual kiddie fare because there's a lot of kiddie fare. Like compared, I watched this in short, not that long after I watched the film called Animal Crackers with my daughter. And that was just so forgettable. I mean, that was, that was so forgettable. I'm not even going to bother trying to remember that film. But this I thought was at least different. But although there, it has... It starts off being narrated by a cat, and this cat is voiced by Ricky Gervais, and that just puts me right off because I don't. Ricky Gervais is one of those things who is a little bit like kryptonite to me. I do not understand why so many people like him, and there's just something about his smug way of doing things that just makes me go, "Ah, it's his voice! No, I immediately don't like this." 
<laughs> immediately, I immediately uh, replied to not like this and uh, it's rubbish. So I would give the Willoughby's three out of five. I think if you wanted uh, animation, kid story, that isn't your usual kid story, has a little bit of darkness in it, that is quite amusing in some bits, I would recommend the Willoughby's. So that's three out of five for that. And now we go back to you for the final thing we're going to be talking about this week, and that is Purple Hearts, which is also on Netflix. Yes. This is, again, one of the ones that I was sort of bludgeoned into watching, really. Um, <laughs> I, by the, by the Netflix algorithm. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, get away from it every time I... If I was, like, looking for anything, it would just, like, pop up on every list. <laughs> It'd be like, okay, I'll watch it. You want to watch a horror movie? Purple Hearts. Want to watch a rom yeah, Purple Hearts. Yeah. Are you looking for something that isn't an animation? Purple Heart. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like, just watch it. And it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's not that long. I'll, I'll, I can sit through most things. For, I was going to say I could sit through anything for an hour and a half, but then I did watch Persuasion, so it's like, no, that's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was not that long, so I could watch most things. So, yeah, Purple Heart is... Um, I don't know if you'd call it a rom -com romantic comedy, because it's not really a comedy, but it's sort of like a romantic film, basically, aimed yeah. at a younger market. Yeah, aimed at a young, younger than me, so I acknowledge all that at the get-go, that I probably, even though... it badgered me to death to watch it i am probably not the target audience <laughs> yeah yeah it's basically set in america the two main characters first one is a, a young woman who has recently been diagnosed as being diabetic mm -hmm. and anywhere else in the world that would be like a yeah so what <laughs> an interesting side issue but in america apparently that i uh, mean is a, is a serious problem because um to pay for your insulin insurance is, is insurance and because she works as a waitress and she has got no um, family who can help support her um, she cannot basically afford her insurance and she cannot afford to pay for her own insulin yeah which I, it's just baffling to me I don't really quite understand how how that can happen <laughs> in the yeah. world but this is the theme of the film that um, this this is what why and basically she's in working in her bar and a group of local sort of Marines come in. They're near an army, a uh, marine base, and they come in. And one of them says, "You know, hey, would you marry me? Because hey, you get free, you get free spousal insurance." Oh yeah, yeah. And, you get, and then uh, for the soldier, you get, hey, you get married quarters, and you get married men's allowances, and hey, you get lots of money. And they, um, basically, these the these two people, but the one of them is a marine. He suddenly thinks, actually, I need to pay off some debts. I could do with an extra thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And if we go into into a fraudulent marriage, effectively, then you can get your health care and I can get my money. I can get my debts paid off. You can stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's a win win. But the drawback is it is illegal because the fact that health care is very expensive in America. Yeah. They are, the military are aware that people do enter into these fake marriages in order to, for them to get their healthcare pay for. Yeah. So there is this element of jeopardy. So this couple who basically don't really get along, but they decide they were going to enter into a, a convenience marriage. And I for, have oh, no clue where this could possibly where end this up. is possibly going. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but on the side, she is a bit of a songwriter and she's a singer songwriter. So she actually is a, has written some songs. So while this is all going on, her and her band are like playing and performing their songs and one of her songs becomes a bit of a viral hit and then she starts to get a little bit buzz about her own film career uh, her own music career yeah so uh, the story then progresses along those lines and actually i don't need to tell you how it ends <laughs> <laughs> 
But for all that, the fact that it is, I was, I was there's nothing, say, uh, nothing new, um, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know, it, it could go the way of the Willoughby's. It could just end up with, oh yeah, she died. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she didn't get her insulin, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't get her insulin, no. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, there were thought, even though it's, there's nothing new under the sun with this type of film. But yes. I think what they did, they did well. Yeah. And even though whenever she when she was speaking, I could understand what she was saying because I'm not the best person with American accents. It sounds stupid for someone who watches a lot of films, but yeah. when I don't watch a lot of American television. I tend to watch almost exclusively British television. I'm yeah. not that good with American accents. Yeah. But I did actually understand everything she said. And but when she started singing, I couldn't understand a word. Her <laughs> <laughs> singing voice, I was just, I've got no idea what you're singing. <laughs> I could hear the chorus because you know you're singing the same line over and over again, but all of the I just couldn't understand them. So I, so I, she did some nice songs. I just didn't understand what they're about. <laughs> I just couldn't. It's like, I like that bit where the guitar comes in. Don't know what you were saying over it. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, yeah. So I know it's a nice song. It sounded nice, but I just didn't hear the words. I'm sorry. So I, I'll, I'll accept that's my probably my not being able to work out again yep. modern singing techniques and American accents together. Not a best combination, but the songs were nice. So it had a music in it. It had obviously the romance in it. it had a bit of tension in it. it had um. Both had their backstories that we'd be going to know about. So, for what it was, I thought it did what it does well. Yeah. So it, you know, I have seen worse after. Um, so I, there are, it could have done some horrible things, but it did, you know, it did its thing well. Yes. Yes. So how so how many stars would you give it? So for all that, I know we're having a bit of a three week. I would still give it a three because. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was well worth working. I'd recommend it. I said, yeah, it's a good hour and a half entertainment. Um, apart from that, you can't hear what the words are in the songs. But <laughs> I thought it was, I enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's definitely worth it. But uh, to me, I couldn't give it more than a three because it is, give it two years and no one will know what it was, all, but no one will remember it. <laughs> no one will remember that this all exists. Yeah, oh, but you, I enjoyed oh, it. You know, that the, there are so many films on Netflix that I have forgotten are on there, that I've forgotten are in there somewhere. That and I was actually thinking, I was I was trying to make a list of films that I've forgotten, which, which obviously you can imagine that there's some challenges in trying to make a film, a list about films that I've forgotten are on Netflix. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can't but, watch it. What can you, there isn't like a viewing history, is there, where you can go, what have I actually watched? Because I'm sure oh, there's no, films no, I've no, gone. Oh, huh? no. There, there, there is a view in history. There is a view in history on Netflix. Oh, is there? <clears throat> yeah, where you can, but you can only really. Uh, sorry, I've. I, it looks like I've disappeared, but so I'm still plunged here. into darkness. Yeah, the light, <clears throat> the light died. So <laughs> it's, so you know, there is a view in history on Netflix, but it's, um, you can only really access your view in history on a computer. That's that's oh, actually. Okay. That's how sometimes I, re I remind myself what it is I've watched because I go, at, go into the computer, go to viewing history and go, oh, yeah, I did watch that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's, it's funny. It's things like even when you talk about Oscar contenders, like there was a film called Roma by Alfonso Cuaron. Yes. That's on Netflix. Yeah. Forgotten that was on there. There's a film called Mank with um, Gary Oldman, I think directed by yes. David Fincher. That's on Netflix. Forgotten that was on there. <laughs> there's just there's just a lot of stuff that is in there because Netflix just produces so much stuff and has yeah. other all these. And I'm like, there's gotta be a good way of capturing. I know you can have like a watch list, but maybe you should have like almost watch folders where you go like, ooh, Oscar nominated stuff, possible, stuff, things yeah. I need to get around to, things that I put in my list in 1990, in like you know in 20, 
in 2019, in 2020, in 2021. Maybe you should have, but because uh, at the moment there's just so much that disappears and stuff that kind of made a splash yeah. when it arrived. Unless you actually search for it, you can't find it. Because I wanted no. to rewatch um, Bird Box, you know, the because I'd read yeah. the book. I thought I'd seen the That's book. another one I forgot. Another I one I forgot. Bird Box, <laughs> The thought, Silence. I, really the book. I thought, oh, I might seen it again because it is quite different to the book. I thought, I wouldn't mind actually doing a little bit of my own private yes. trust. Now I've read it. And I've read the sequel as well. And I thought, oh, I'll see if it, it does set up the film the same way that the book sets up for a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I can find it. <laughs> so I have to go in and do actual the name, type it in, Bird yeah. Box, please. Because it disappears from your... They're so bad, they batter you with all the latest they releases. They batter you so much. That you just miss everything else that is on their yeah. back catalogue. Yeah, uh, uh, and you I'm, think, to... I'm sure they wouldn't delete their own films. They'd still be on no, there no. somewhere. If it was a Netflix film, it should still be on there. Yeah. And I I am doing something similar with the with the Sandman because they have the TV sh- show of the Sandman and I've got the comic of the Sandman I've got the whole and the entire graphic novel so I've been, I started watching Sandman I was like is that the way it happened Hang on a second while I just uh, while I just <laughs> while, while, while I do my while I go and reference the original tomes <laughs> and going by going. Okay, okay, they've changed that. Okay, no, that's clever. Oh, yeah, no, that's that. They had to update that. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been doing that. So at some point, but the problem is that with all this stuff, with the slowdown of me trying to watch things with, around my daughter uh, and all, all these different things, I have three things on Netflix I'm trying to watch at the moment. There's Grace and Frankie with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Yes, because you reviewed the previous series for that. I, I reviewed, and I think that's finished now. So instead of reviewing it season by season, I want to get to the end and I review the whole show. Yeah. So I'm in season six of seven. So I'm trying to go going to go with Grace and Frankie. There's Better Call Saul, which has just finished as well, and everyone's raving about it. And I'm trying to sort of slowly catch up with what the fuss was about. And there is The Sandman, which I am also watching at the moment, which it's, it's, it's current, it's what everyone's watching, it's what people are raving about, but I have other stuff to do. <laughs> and also, I tried watching the first episode with my daughter. I should have known better because Charles Dance shows up, and Charles Dance, that's effing and blinding oh, all over no. about ravens. <laughs> and, and I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, we can't watch yeah. this. This weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we can't watch this, can't watch this. No, 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 no. All right, cool. But anyway, I think that is a show for today. Thank you very much for joining me, Sharon, because we thought we might as well get some TV stuff out of the way, because as we said netflix is relentless streaming giants are relentless <laughs> and by t- by next week if we're waiting for the cinema stuff to catch up we're gonna have <clears throat> well four films to watch on cinema and like 20 things that we haven't reviewed online so <clears throat> yeah. but until next week when we actually get to see idris elba fight a lion which is what which is what i think i'm being promised in the trailers oh, i don't beast. know yes because he's beast, got that yep. genie film coming out then there's the lion film coming out and i guess so, I, think, I think it's yeah ten thousand years of longing that's was it, it was it women i can't remember it's a, it's a number of yeah. years it's a long period of longing yeah. <laughs> is the genie film it's a very long period of of longing which was the title that George Miller decided not to go for. But um but yeah, until next week when we go see Beast and or oh, one other thing I can't remember. The now. invitation. The invitation, that was it. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye for me. And from Holly and Ro- and Sean who could not join us today. I nearly called him Rob, I don't know why. <laughs> it's been that kind of week. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening this far. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>